following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Hey there, welcome to Wednesday night. What's going on? Come on, how's everybody feeling on Wednesday? You feel good? You look good if it makes you feel any better. We are so glad that you are in church. I'm, I'm pumped about um, this, this season coming up around the church. And I, I hope that if you are in town, even if you are planning to be out of town, cancel those plans. And be in the house of the Lord. I'm telling you, you will not regret it. It's going to be an amazing, amazing season around here. And I'm pumped to be able to bring you the word of the Lord tonight. It's always an honor when I get to stand um, in the pulpit that my father-in-law, also my pastor, also my boss, um, graces every single Sunday and Wednesday. And I don't take it lightly um, that, that you trust me with the privilege and the the opportunity to speak to a congregation that you have loved for 30 plus years. And so thank you um, for allowing me and trusting me. I don't take it lightly. And if you, if you have your Bibles, chances are you probably have a digital Bible with you tonight would be, would be my guess. Some of you have a good old hard copy. Come on, if you have a hard copy, throw it in the air. Let me see it. Yeah, I see you. I see you. All right. I hope you're reading it. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. I really hope you are, but there's no judgment. I'm not judging. Tonight, we're going to dive into a very, a very eastery passage of scripture. Probably the most, like you guys know, we're like really close to the Easter season. And so I thought that I would dive into an extremely eastery passage of scripture found in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. And it says, Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem. You guys didn't catch the joke. This is, this is not an Eastery passage of Scripture at all. Jesus was born. This is a Christmassy passage of Scripture in the town of Bethlehem in the country of Judea. It was the time when Herod was, was king of that part of the country and soon after Jesus was, was born, the, some wise men would make their way from the east. They came to Jerusalem, and they asked, they asked this question, where is the king of the Jews who has been born? Where is the king of the Jews who has been born? For just a few minutes this evening, I want to speak to you from this topic. Why are we here? Why are we here? Why, why are you here? Why am I here? This is like the, the question of like a lifetime, right? Why, why am I here? Why do I exist? And I wonder recently if you have noticed a trend that, that I have seen uh, to, to have been picked up in the, in the Christian world that really it's a notion that Christianity um, has been reduced to a formula. It's the idea where, where people are believing that that God exists for us. Like God, God, God is here for us, for our pleasure, 
If we, if we do the right thing, if we pray the right prayer, if we act the right way, then, then surely God has to do what we want him to do. Right? This is, this is what some people, they may not express it, they may not say it, but this is, this is what some people actually believe. He's, he's become a, a genie in a bottle. That if I, I, if, I mean, surely, I mean, if I pray, if I pray this, then he has to, I mean, did you see how great I've been living the last three weeks? Of course, you have to, I mean, come on. Did you see me walk that lady across the street, Lord? What's the deal? I need, I need this prayer answered. And let's go ahead and, and close the lid on that notion tonight. That God does not exist for you and for me. Rather, we exist for him. You and I exist for him. So let me finish this passage of scripture that we started just a moment ago. Verse number two continues. They said, where is the king of the Jews who has been born? We have seen his star in the east. And we have come to worship him. Why, why did the wise men come? They, they came to worship him. And this is so different from the mindset that some of us have in society today. The wise men didn't come to Jesus to get something from him. They came to give something to him. They didn't, they didn't walk in because I'm sure they had some crazy needs in their life, but that wasn't the reason that they drew near to him. No, no, no. They didn't come to get something from him. They came to give something to him. And so we ask the question, why, why are we here? Why, why are we in this building tonight? And I'll answer that question with this. You and I are here to glorify him. You and I are here to lift him up. We're here to magnify him. We're here to make him famous. We are here to worship him. We're here to worship him. We're here to worship him. And there's a lot of different, have you noticed this? Maybe you've been, you've church hopped a little bit and you've been to a lot of different, have you noticed that there's a lot of different ways that people worship him? Some of it's kind of funny, really. Like there, there's a lot, like I don't know if you know, but we're a hand raising church, right? Like, yeah, man, whoa, yeah, yeah. Some of you are a hand clapping church, see? Speaking of hand raising, did, have you guys seen the the bit that the the comedian Tim Hawkins does on hand raising in church? For those of you that have not seen it, I'm about to ruin it for you. Really, I mean, yeah, I'm going to spoil it for you. He he talks about the different types of hand raising in church. So we've got the carry the TV. Hmm. Move it out to widescreen a little bit here. Yeah, mm, this is good. Then there's, then there's, I caught a fish this big. Then he says, if you're a liar, you just move it right here. I caught a fish this big. There's a lot of different ways that people worship. There's, there's one that he does that says, this is hold the baby right here. Just so, just reach out, just hold your baby worship. Then this is my favorite. Then there's, then there's the goalpost worship. 
And this cracks me up. He says, then follow it with a little heartburn right here. Oh. Right, that, that. There's a lot of different ways that people raise their hands in church. Then we can go just with the, with the straight one hand, you know, just straight up in, as high as you can get it. Like nobody behind you can see. You're just, you're trying to answer the question in class. Right here, right here. And then you can give Jesus a high five. You know what I'm saying? Like you, a little, uh, yeah. And then, then my favorite, he says, and a lot, a lot of ladies like to wash the windows. They just like to just, uh, get it. You really, do yourself a favor and go check it out. It's pretty funny. But raising your hands in church is really much deeper than just raising your hands for fun. And I know that we're having fun with it, but, but really what, what it is, is a reflection of your heart. And we're going to talk about this for a few moments tonight. We're going to start with Psalm 63 at a time when, when David is at a very low point in his life in the wilderness. Verse 1, David cries out to God, and maybe as a reflection of what many of you may feel in your own world right now, he says this, you God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And I wonder this evening how many of you feel in your spirit that maybe this is exactly where you are. Lord, right now in this season that we're walking in, my, my heart pants after you. I, I need you, Lord. You, I, I seek you. I thirst for you. I can't get enough for you. Verse number two says, I've seen you in the sanctuary and I've beheld your power and your glory. And I love verse three when he says this, because your love is better than life. Because your love, think about that for just, for just a moment, that, that God is better, his love is better than life. It's everlasting. His love never fails. This life will fade away, but the love of God will never go away. That, that's, that's the kind of God that we serve tonight. It says, therefore, right, because of that, verse 3, my lips will glorify you. What he's saying is, I just can't stop. Because your love is it's so much better than life that my lips just can't stop speaking of how wonderful you are. They're, they're, I, just, I, they can't, I just gotta tell you how much I love you. I just gotta tell you how much I need you. I just, I just have to tell you that I can't make it without you. This is, this is where he is spiritually. Such a powerful place to be. Verse four, he says, I will praise you as long as I live. I will praise you as long as I live. And you've got to remember, he's in a bad place right now. This isn't the, the high peak season of his life. He's struggling. And he's not saying, Lord, I, I thank you because things are going really, really good in my life. No, no, no. He's saying, listen, Lord, I'm, I'm thanking you in spite of everything that's going on in my life. You are still good and your love will never fail. It will never fade away in spite of my circumstances. 
I will worship you and praise you as long as I, I live. And watch what he says in verse four. He says, in your name, what will I do? In your name, I will lift my hands. In your name, I will throw my hands in the air. I just, my lips can't stop glorifying you. And I just want you to know that I'm gonna throw my hands in the air in worship and in adoration to who you are. And isn't it amazing that when you truly understand who he is and what he's done for you, that you just can't help but express your heart towards him. Right, when you, when you really understand what it is that he's done for you and what he's done for me, there's, just, there's something on the inside of you that says, I just, my lips just can't. You, it's why people that are brand new coming to the Lord can't stop talking about how good he is. I wonder if some of us that have, have been in church for your entire life, come on, I wonder if we could allow some of that to get back on us, that we could just pause for a moment and remember how good he's been to us, to where your lips can't stop, to where you say, in your name, Lord, I don't care what anybody else is doing, I don't care who's around me, I'm going to throw my hands in the air and worship you, worship you. In fact, I want to read from the New Testament for a second. Paul was actually giving Timothy, uh, this young and up-and-coming up pastor, instructions to help Christians in their worship. And he says this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. He says, therefore, I want the men. Therefore, I want men everywhere to pray. Doing what? Lifting up holy hands without anger or dispute. Isn't it interesting that he calls out the men here for just a second? Come on, Paul, Paul get, he gets all up in your grill. He's talking, he said, men, let's go. I want men to pray and I want you to throw your hands in the air without anger or without disputing. And I, I don't have the exact reasoning behind. I didn't talk to him and he didn't tell me why the Lord had him write this. But based upon my experience, men are generally the last to do this. Uh, this is not, I'm not judging anybody. I'm just telling you the way that it is. In my 38 years in church, this is what I've observed. Maybe, maybe it's because of pride. Maybe it because it feels awkward. Maybe it doesn't seem manly. I don't, whatever it is, Paul says, I, I want the men to lift up holy hands. I want the men to lift up holy hands. And if I'm guessing, and, I, and I'm purely speculating, but I think, I think the reason just might be is that, that Paul wants the men to set the standard for worship. He's saying, come on, men. I want, I want you to be the ones that are, don't, don't wait till your wife throws her hands in the air. Come on, come on, sir. Why don't you just go ahead and when you feel the presence of God and you know when you, when you walk in in that music, you just throw your hands in the air. When you're in the car and you're driving down Mopac, I'm just kidding, don't do that. <laughs> Maybe just one hand right there. Give him a high five right there. 
me challenge you. Let me challenge you, sir. Don't let your wife out-worship you. Don't let your kids out-worship you. Come on, sir. Come on, dad. Let's go. Why don't you, why don't you lead the way in worship and what it looks like for your family? Why don't you lead the way in the mornings of what, what worship looks like before your kids may go off to school or before you go off to work? What, what would that look like? Now, why? Here's the next question then. Why would, why would God ask us to do this? Why, why would he ask us to do something like this? Why, why would he want us to, to lift our hands to him? And once again, it's really, I think, very simple. I think it's one of the reasons is because our heavenly father absolutely loves it when we lift our hands in worship to him. I think, I think part of it is just as simple as that. I believe that God loves it. And I can, I can just imagine the love of our heavenly father. There is, there is no father, loving father on earth that would reject the outstretched hands of his child. Right? Even, even if you're tired or you're worn out, when my five-year-old girl, listen, there's times when I'm putting the kids to bed, Cassidy and I, and my little girl, will, she, she makes me carry her up the stairs every night. Now, I love it. It's become my thing. I don't want to miss it. But y'all, there's times when I'm tired. Baby, God gave you legs. But she comes running up to me and she just throws her hands in the air. And that's what I do, yes. Uh, get up here, come on, let's go. And there's been time, y'all, my seven-year-old and my 10-year-old still try to get me to carry him up the stairs. That is, a, that is an EMS call waiting to happen. But no loving father would reject his outstretched arms of his child because why? Because you love your children. You love your kids. And I just, I just have a feeling that when we move our hands towards our heavenly father, I believe that his heart moves towards us. In fact, James chapter 4 and verse 8 would say it this way, draw near to God. Draw near to God. And, and what? He will draw near to us, as we draw close to our heavenly Father, as we lift our hands saying, Lord, I know that I may not be able to get all the way there. <laughs> I know that I may not be able to, to reach all the way to the heavens, but I'm lifting my hands as an act of a worship. And as we draw near to him, scripture says that he will draw near to us. So we do it because God loves it. But then I think there's a, a, another reason why, why we do this as well. is because it can actually be an offering of praise. An offering of praise. Like you, like you might give an offering at church with, with money. It's a way to give an offering. It's a different kind of offering, but it could be an offering of praise. Watch what Psalm 141 says. David, again, in a very low point in his life, would make this statement. Oh, Lord, I am calling to you. Please hurry. Have you ever, is that, have you ever been there before? Lord, I'm calling to you, and I need you to hurry up. This is, this is where he is. 
Listen when I cry to you for help. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. He's saying, I'm praying and accept my prayer as an offering. Lord, I love you. I need you. Accept my upraised hands as an offering of worship to you. It's pretty powerful. Some of you tonight, at the end of our time together, it may be the very first time that you've stretched your hands towards your heavenly Father. Maybe it's never been something that you have done in worship. Maybe it's just outside of your comfort zone. Maybe, maybe you just feel a little bit awkward doing it, but I'm telling you, when you throw your hands up to your heavenly Father and say, Lord, I am offering my heart to you. I am offering everything that I have to you. That is something that your heavenly Father cannot reject and will not reject because he loves his children with all of his heart. And, and you may not even feel like praising him. You may not even feel it in that moment, but Lord, I'm offering, I'm offering praise and adoration to you. Not because of how I feel, not because of, of what you've done for me, but, but I choose to worship you just because of who you are. I want to worship you tonight because of who you are. I want to worship you for the cross. I want to say thank you for everything that you are. We lift our hands because God loves it. We lift our hands to him because it's an offering of praise to our heavenly father. We lift our hands because he won't reject the hands, the outstretched hands of his children. But I think another reason... I think another reason that we, we stretch out our hands in worship to him is because we're declaring battle. I think, I think because we're, we're, declaring, we're declaring war and, and we've said and we've recognized that, Lord, I just, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. See, some of you right now are in, in the battle of your life. I talked to people even this evening as they walked in. They are going through some, some crazy seasons. of You are in something that you never envisioned yourself getting into. Maybe it's not even of your own volition. You didn't even do It's just some, just life has happened and you find yourself in a crazy season, a battle to get back to just normal, to get back to life like you, you can't. You're like, what has happened? Some of you are in that season, a, a real battle. And I wonder what it would look like if in just a few moments you just, you just lifted your hands in the air and said, Lord, Lord, I give you everything that I have. I honor you tonight. You see the situation that stands before me. You see what I have to walk into at work tomorrow. You see what I have to go home to tonight. You know the things that, that are running through my mind. But right now, I'm going to stretch my hands out to you as an offering of praise. <laughs> declaring battle with uplifted hands. Declaring battle with uplifted hands. In fact... I want to give you a very beautiful picture of this, the best image in Scripture that I could find, and it's found in Exodus chapter 17. 
The Amalekites were attacking the Israelites, and so Moses says to Joshua, hey, Josh, I need you to get a couple guys together. Get a few men together. We're going to battle. They've declared war against us, and it's time that we start pushing back. And Moses says this, tomorrow, I'm going to go up to that mountaintop, and I'm going to lift my hands to God. And I will pray to him. So here's what scripture says in verses 10 and 11. So Joshua, Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. Now you got to catch this. You've heard this story, but if you haven't, you got to catch this. As long as Moses did what? As long as Moses held up his hands. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites <laughs> were winning. As long as he kept his hands raised in the air, they were winning the battle on the ground. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites began to take over. They began winning the war. So what do we have? Winning, losing, winning, losing, winning, losing. When arms were lifted high, acknowledging the sovereign power of God, God's people were winning. But when their arms, when his arms were no longer up, acknowledging the power of God, God's people started losing. And here's the reality. Here's where you and I fit in. Some of you are in a battle right now. You're in a real struggle. It's a struggle that you've never faced before. And it, it feels like that the enemy has a foothold It feels like you're just repeating the same thing time and time again, and you can't get through this. It looks like on paper that you're losing the battle. It looks like the enemy is dominating right now, and I wonder, I just have a feeling that, that if you find yourself in that situation, that it just might be time to throw your hands in the air and declare battle on what the enemy is bringing against you. I wonder, listen, if you want victory in your family, I wonder what it would look like if you would throw your hands in the air. You've been dreaming of a restored marriage, and you want victory in that situation. Why Why don't you throw your hands in the air? You want some answers for your children? Why don't you throw your hands in the air and just see what might happen? When the arms were no longer up, God's people began losing in spite of what I see, in spite of what I feel, in spite of what's going on. I will throw my hands in the air. I will lift my hands in adoration to you. I will will stretch my hands towards the heaven and I will declare by faith that my God is with me. I will declare that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. 
Come on, I wonder if I've got some worshipers in the house on a Wednesday. Do I have anybody in the house that loves to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Yeah. Then it gets interesting. Whenever verse 12 chimes in here, Moses' hands grew tired. Because you can't walk around every day. You can't walk around work like this. All the time. You should try it tomorrow and video it and send it to me. You can't do that. You can't do, you can't have your arms by yourself stretched up all the time like this, just walking around. They get tired. You haven't been to the gym enough. They just start coming down. Verse 12, when his hands grew tired. You know what? Is, do I have a couple helpers? Is Jaron and, and Blake here? Y'all come help me. Where's Blake? Blake, you're so slow, bro. Come on. We don't have all day. I got like six minutes left. When his hands grew tired, they brought a stone. Did you guys bring the stone? Did you get it? Just kidding. We didn't probably tell you that. I was joking. <laughs> they brought a stone and they, they sat it down. And they put Moses on the stone. And you know, you know what they did? Come on, guys. You're going to have to help me here. <laughs> They held his hands up. <laughs> yeah. Come on, there's some things in your life that you're facing that you want victory over. You got to have some people in your world that are willing to stand by you and stand strong with you that will hold your hands up whenever you can't hold, when you get physically tired, when you get emotionally drained. And I brought these two guys up because they do this for me almost on a daily basis. When I get discouraged, these two guys encourage me. When I'm going through things, I know that I got two brothers that I can call on, that I can talk to, that are praying for me. Even when I don't ask for it, they're calling my name in prayer. When we have to walk through just crazy decisions and, and ministry gets hard, I know that, that I can lean on these guys and they've got my back. That when I get tired, when I don't know the way, when I'm not sure exactly, when they didn't have to, to follow and come along, they said, let's go. We're with you. We'll hold your arms up. you got to have some people in your world. Thank you, guys. have some people in your world and not only here's the beauty of it not only will they hold your arms up but this is this is why this is why we worship corporately together it's why coming to church matters because we don't just worship God by ourselves we worship him as the body of Christ we worship him collectively. We've got people in the building that are worshiping. We got people on their couches that are worshiping. We worship collectively as the body of Christ. 
We corporately stand together, leaning on one another, lifting each other's hands when we get weak. Being there for a brother or sister when they're walking through a difficult season of life. You and I need people in our world. You can't go through this alone. I want to be an Aaron. And I want to be a her. And I want, I want to be there for you. I can't be there for every one of you, I know that, but, but I want to be there for the people that are in my circle, the people that I can help. I, I want to be there, and you should have the same mentality with the people that are in your circle. Hey, if you haven't had that conversation, why don't you go to them this week and say, hey, I want you to know that I got your back. I want you to know that when you get tired, I will lift your hands up because I know that you're walking through some things that you can't carry on your own. Some of you are in a battle right now. You're in a battle. And it's time to declare, God, I need you. God, I need you in this fight that I'm in. I'm tired of doing it on my own. I need you every step of the way. I've got to have you, Lord. Be with me. Walk with me tomorrow. I need your Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me. I need the wisdom that comes from your spirit, Lord. I need you. I need you. I need you. Would you stand with me? You're going to be standing for just a moment. I'm warning you. You've been sitting for a few minutes. And I want you to think about this. Think about this for just a second. Throughout history, what have... What has uplifted hands represented? Let's talk about this for just a second. The first is victory. <sighs> Your team scores a touchdown. You may not even be religious. You get religious in a sports game. <sighs> victory. Touchdown. Right? Basketball, keep your hands up. Let's go. Victory. Second thing. This is, this is nothing new. Somebody puts a gun to your back. What, what is it? It's a... Surrender. Victory. And Surrender. Guess what? In the presence of God, in the presence of God, it means both simultaneously. When you get in his presence and you throw your hands in the air, when you, when you step into his presence and you throw your hands in the air, in his presence, it's both. See, it's in the moment of surrender to him that you find victory in him. It's in that moment of surrender 
to your heavenly Father when you find the victory that you've been looking for. So for just a moment, listen. I don't know what it is that you need victory over. I don't know what you're walking through right now that you need the victory over. Here's what I know. That when you will surrender yourself to him is when you find victory in him. So as we begin to sing, here's what I wish we would do. This is how we're closing tonight. I wish you would forget who's around you. Uh, If you're here with your boyfriend or or your girlfriend, give them a kiss and say, baby, I'm about to worship. And as we begin to sing, I wonder if for the next few moments that whatever you need victory over, that you would let that replay in your mind. And as you surrender, why don't you allow God to do a work in your life? Let's worship him. Yeah. Hallelujah. beautiful your heavenly father is receiving your outstretched arms right now he's receiving the outstretched arms of his children right now hallelujah victory is found in surrender As you surrender, come on, I just believe that he's bringing the victory in your life. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let it happen right now, Lord. Start turning some things around in our world. Change some situations. Change some hearts. So, Lord, we worship you tonight. We're not intimidated. We're not scared of this, what this world throws at us, but we come, we walk into Thursday tomorrow with our hands raised high in total surrender to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, knowing that we can't make it if we don't have you. And, God, I'm grateful I'm grateful for the outstretched arms of this church tonight in a posture of surrender. God, we don't don't worship you because of what you're going to do. It's what you do is a byproduct of who you are. So we thank you in advance for the victory that you're bringing as we surrender our hearts to you. God, I'm grateful for what you've done in this moment. 
I'm grateful for the release that some of us have felt in this moment. Some battles that we've been fighting, that you've been waiting on us to surrender before the victory came. And I'm excited to hear those stories. Bless us. Keep your hand on us as we honor you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. All right, before I let you go, I got to give you some homework. As we, as we move swiftly into the Easter season, and as I, I begin to prepare for this message and just talking to the Lord, what, what would you have me share with your people, Lord? And I felt in my spirit, I felt the Lord just kind of whisper to me, Remind them of the importance of their worship towards me. And so here's your homework this week as we head into Easter. The most life-changing thing that's ever happened for you and I. That you would carve time out every single day. And it's not going to be easy because you're busy. I understand, but that's the beauty of this. That you would carve time out of your day. Maybe it's in the car right as you're headed to work. Maybe don't do it while you're driving. We don't need that. Maybe it's in your house, but you would find a place to throw your hands up and just say, Lord, I know. I know Friday is right around the corner. But Lord, I know Sunday's coming. And I want you to know I want you to know this Easter season that I am totally surrendered to you. And Lord, I'm grateful for the victory that you're bringing in my world. You think you can do that this week? Come on, you think you can carve some time out to throw your hands in the air? Can you put your hands together tonight for Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey, we love you. We're so glad that you were in church tonight. Once again, on your way out, air high five somebody. Tell them it was good to see them. And we'll see you right back here on Sunday at 9 or 11. God bless you. We'll see you soon.